Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. DealQuest listeners, I am so excited to have Ra Goddess back on the DealQuest podcast. Ra is the entrepreneurial soul coach behind hundreds of breakthrough changemakers, cultural visionaries, and social entrepreneurs. From multiple New York Times bestsellers to multi-million dollar social enterprises, Ra's unique methodology has empowered a new generation of conscious entrepreneurs to stay true, get paid, and do good. Her work has been featured in Time Magazine, Ms. Magazine, Variety, Essence, The Source, Redbook, Forbes, Fast Company, and the Chicago Tribune, among others. As a sought-after speaker, Ra has led the conversation around a whole self-approach to entrepreneurship as key to a more just, harmonious, and sustainable economy and culture. Ra's book, The Calling, on St. Martin's Press, is a step-by-step blueprint for finding your purpose and making your most profitable contribution. Ra, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Corey, for having me. It's my joy to be here. Well, so folks, Ra was on episode 53 of what was then the Fueling Deals podcast, uh, just different branding. Uh, And we talked about uh, a number of things back then, so you should definitely check it out. Um, For those of you who don't know, Ra and I also have a personal connection. I'll let you look that one up if you don't know what it is. Uh, But independent of that, I'm so excited that she's back on the DealQuest podcast because a lot has happened in basically what's been almost two years since her appearance on the podcast. Uh, Rob, before we get into all the new great stuff that you have going on, uh, I want to take you back to when you were growing up as a little girl. Um, what did you want to be? Because my guess is a, uh, you know, a, a uh, somebody, an entrepreneur was running a change in making company work with working with people who are impacting the planet uh, as a coach and a consultant and as a speaker. And, and what we're going to talk about with what you do with information. Maybe that wasn't on your mind back then, but maybe it was knowing your background. You tell me. <laughs> um, it's interesting because when I was a little girl, I think I kind of vacillated pretty fiercely between wanting to be a doctor and wanting to be a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting because when I look at, and, and this is a question that I love and, and often, you know, ask leaders I work with as well, because I believe that always in whatever it was that we aspire to be, there's some element of it that still lives in who we are today. And so I think for me, it was sort of the doctor was really about this ability to make life, life better for people. Mm-hmm. And, and doctors were, you know, were definitely people who I looked to, you know, certainly growing up as people who did that, you know, who, who courageously used their gifts and their skills to better the lives of others. And, and then I think the rock star piece is about moving people, inspiring people, touching people. And so my hope is that somehow between the two of those things, <laughs> you know, in what I do today, those elements or those aspects are there. 
Well, no question about that they are, uh, knowing the impact you've had on so many people. Rob, one more question looking back. What was the first deal of any type that you ever did? It could have been something when you were a kid or later in life, anything that comes to mind that, you know, feels like a deal that you remember. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think about being the youngest of four siblings growing up, and I think there was all kinds of deal making going on around chores, around goodies. And um, but the thing that I think the, the most sort of comes to mind in, in, in this minute is really um, you, my mom used to have these cookies that we loved uh, called Malamars. And, you know, uh, and they're, they're a household favorite in our family as well. And, yes. um, and she used to sort of say, you know, if you go do this, you know, or you go get me this, you know, or the milk or the tea or the whatever, you know, you can have two cookies. And so that was, <laughs> you know, and it was always the opportunity to go, okay, well, what do I need to do to get three? <laughs> I love <Or> it. More. <laughs> I love it. The cookie negotiation. Yes. So, Ra, okay. So now, uh, on the, you know, when we spoke a couple of years ago, you, you know, we had talked about book deals and things like that because the calling, uh, you know, was um, you were in the process of, uh, of the book deals on, uh, for your book. But one of the big thing that big thing that's happened since um, you know in the last two years, last year or so, is you know after running your company with the crowd as a solely owned company and 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 obviously with a phenomenal team, you've started a new company in a business partnership um, with somebody, and that's a deal. Um, so why don't you talk to us about information and what it does, and then what had you decide to go into business with uh, with Deepa? Yeah, so information is a member-based community that is designed to support particularly women of color leaders, executives, um, and leaders in all sectors of, of professional society. And the intention for the business is really to provide what we call safe, brave, and new space. And information comes out of almost four years of listening on the front lines to the hearts, minds, spirits, stories, and concerns of leaders in every sector of our society who have reached, you know, the pinnacles of success in their particular fields and women who see themselves as being a first or a few or an only. And, you know, our decision, it's so interesting because I think that for many of us, we become accidental entrepreneurs in the sense of we may not necessarily start out to form a business. And in this particular case, that was true. Deep and I began really by being very intrigued by some of the stories and conversations we were having with women of color executives at the time. Deepa was in her own personal journey, thinking about whether or not she was going to stay or go. She had a stellar career at a major big six consulting firm and um, was really questioning what was next for her in terms of purpose and calling. And that was what led her to working with me directly as a coach Um, And in this exploration, you know, she began talking to other women executives outside of her company. And um, I was noticing as I looked at the clients and leaders that I was working with, that there were similar concerns coming up, similar challenges, similar questions being asked. And that then led us to gathering uh, women over the over the course of dinners. And we wound up doing several dinners throughout the country and Um, And it was fascinating because, you know, we sort of had this perspective that, you know, these were really high performing, high charging, high flying women. We would do a three course power 90 minute meal. And ultimately we wound up, you know, we would be closing restaurants. We would be getting kicked out of parking lots, (laughs) you know, because five and six hours later, the women did not want to leave. And 
What we immediately realized, and I think we're actually really taken aback by, was the degree to which so many of these incredible women were isolated mm-hmm. because of the demands of the roles that they played both in their respective organizations and entities, as well as with their families, that they really had not had space ever to really talk and compare notes about their experience. And, um, and it's almost shocking when we think about it in a professional context, how many people maybe who do have those kinds of networks take it for granted. Um, and we sort of, again, did not anticipate that, that it was gonna be such a big uh, contribution um, to these women. We thought it was going to be, you know, some, some, some time to network, some time to gain perspective, but it really wound up being this incredibly transformative experience. And there were always two questions that we were met with at the end of these dinners. The first one was, you know, um, okay, so what do we do next? <laughs> and the second one was, when are you coming back? Mm-hmm. And Deep and I really didn't have a good answer initially. And we kept hearing it over and over again. And and at some point even decided, you know, let's do some research because at the very least we can point these women to resources. And as we began to research, we realized that as we considered the specific need that we heard being voiced over and over and over again, that we really didn't find a place where women of color across the diaspora could come together and really have authentic connection, really have spaces where they could be witnessed and heard where their experiences could be validated, where they could be challenged in their leadership in ways that would invite them to grow and also consider what was important and necessary for them to show up in their full selves and space where they could really think about what was new or what was next for them as they thought about what it meant to take the positions of leadership that many of them were taking. Um, And we are in a moment, you know, Corey, I don't need to tell you this, but we're in a moment where women of color are taking seats of leadership in ways that they never have before. Yes. Um, and so, you know, whether we look at the CEO of Walgreens, whether we look at the vice president of the United States, <laughs> we are in a moment where our leadership is being called for. And, you know, there is both excitement about that and there is also real responsibility and, and real pressure around that. And I think um, our intention and hope and desire in the creation of information was that we could be that space where women were able to um, grow their leadership. Uh, grow their sense of community and connection, while also both individually and collectively being able to architect what was new in terms of their own notions of power and success. Well, it's, yeah, that's it's great. And we're going to get into the work that you do in a little bit more. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the partnership, however, because you know, I, I happen to personally know uh, that you and, you know, uh, I obviously know you very well and I know Deepa somewhat. And I know, you know, you have different backgrounds. You bring different things to the table, um, which can be the richest part of a, you know, of a, of a business partnership. Right. You know, uh, um, people bring different skills and different outlooks and different life experiences, different connections. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how does that, you know, um, what are the different things that you and Deepa bring? How does that make that business partnership uh you know, work and, um, and, you know, how does that benefit the, the community that you've created? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, for us, it's been a very, very rich partnership in a sense of we each come from very different cultural backgrounds and have very different experiences as women of color in this country. There are things that we navigate that are similar, but there are things that we navigate that are very, very different. And, um, and understanding our lineages and understanding our respective journeys and the way that that has shaped the way that we see the world and the way that we see ourselves 
also Deepa is, you know, has been a, and has a long and, and, you know, stellar career in corporate. And I am, but I always jokingly say a corporate refugee. And though <laughs> now I get to call her a corporate refugee because somehow I was able to lovingly convince her to, <laughs> to join me in this, in this grand adventure of ours. Um, but, you know, she's 22 years, you know, mm. and a major, major, you know, again, big six global firm. Um, and I, you know, I left corporate over 20 years ago, um, choosing to really venture out on my own. I had, you know, got bit by the entrepreneurial bug and really felt that my space for contribution was really going to be working with leaders in, in the capacity that I do as a coach and a consultant and a trainer and advisor. Um, and so I think we bring these very unique perspectives and that we're sort of insider outsiders, right, to, to some degree. Um, and we understand the challenges of each of those respective spaces and the, the ways in which those challenges are similar and as well as the ways in which those challenges are different. Um, I also think that there is a just a stylistic difference, um, you know, and I, I tease Deepa, Deepa, if you're listening to this. <laughs> You know, we'll laugh more about this later. But, you know, Deepa deep is a little more reserved than I am. I'm a little more fight the power. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and again, this is from our, you know, our cultural upbringing and our, and our roots. Um, but we both share a deep passion for wanting to make a difference in the world. We both share a deep passion for wanting to help transform uh, systems and structures and cultures that in any way, whether intentionally or unintentionally, aspire to hold people back. From reaching their full potential, and so um, I, we both, I think, every day on some level, pinch ourselves when we sit with our, you know, our almost two hundred leaders um, in terms of our founding member circle, and and that you know that we've kind of gone from all these late night conversations to something that is very, very real and very, very here and very, very now. You know, and and, and interestingly, right? Uh, the you know, there's a there's a sort of spectrum or or difference of you know experience and. Uh, background and and you know how long corporate and that kind of stuff, and yet there's such commonalities, right? And and that, that's a you know I see that as a mirror of your community, right? Of the, of, the, of the founding almost 200 founding women. I mean, I know we've had conversations separately where you know you've told me generally about you know um, where these women come from, uh, and, you know not necessarily specific names or anything, but you know just uh, you know the different fields and that kind of stuff, and um, you know it's such a broad diversity of industries, of geographies, of cultural backgrounds, and yet there's this common element that pulls them all together, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and one of the things that I'll say, and, you know, and I think this also speaks to the partnership, was that we were very clear that we wanted to be diasporically represented as women of color, which, mm. you know, depending upon what circle you're in, sometimes can be a bit of a controversial term. And, you know, there's a, been a lot of sort of conversation um, in various forms about, you know, the, the whole terminology of women of color versus BIPOC versus, you know, black women, right? Or Asian women or Latin women. Um, and yet Deep and I felt that there was an incredible opportunity to garner the strength and the power and the insight of being able to gather in this way and share stories and, um, and honor those distinctions and those differences while at the same time drawing strength and courage and affirmation from the ways that we are similar. I think the other thing that makes the partnership unique and, you know, and certainly you, you, I don't need to say this to you, but, you know, partnerships are deals, right? Yep. <laughs> right. And um, 
And, you know, I think for me as someone who, I don't know that I ever necessarily thought that I would start a second business as a partnership. Um, but I think what was really important to us and what continues to be important to us is the desire and the vision to really want to do this differently. Meaning that we really want to model something different in terms of what we typically see when it comes to leadership or when it comes to often sometimes the way certain collaborations can be uh, structured, right? Um, and, and we all know that there are very healthy hierarchies, but we also know that there are very unhealthy hierarchies. And um, often what we get taught you know, in our society is that there isn't enough room, that there always has to be a number one, you know, um, that there always has to be somebody at the top and then sort of everybody else underneath. And I think it's very hard to challenge traditional uh, structures of power if you're modeling the, those same kinds of ways of operating and ways of being. And so, you know, we have the additional challenge slash opportunity of really uh, redefining what power looks like, redefining what the face of leadership looks like. And that, you know, we're doing that in real time every single day in the context of our partnership, very much in the same way that we are holding space for inviting and challenging our women to do the same. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, traditional sort of business corporate models, you hear things like, you know, uh, the, you know, the buck has to stop with somebody, you know, one neck to ring, like all these, you know, phrases and sayings about how, you know, uh, there's got to be, you know, this hierarchy with one ultimate, uh, you know, decision maker who, you know, really, really makes a difference. And, and um, you know, it's fascinating to, you know, challenge that uh, period just, just as a, you know, as an assumption, as a, as a management, you know, a structure, et cetera. But then also there's, you know, obviously the dynamic of, you know, uh, the different things that people, different people, uh, different backgrounds, you know, uh, bring to the table. And, you know, whether that's uh, certainly the gender element, but also the cultural and, you know, and racial and geographic and background elements and how the different cultural phenomenons can influence and, and challenge traditional leadership models. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, and it's not easy, right? And, you know, we have great respect and love for one another, and we know the value that each brings to the partnership. And we also recognize that as we are building, we're also unlearning, you know, a lot of the, uh, the sort of traditional ways of operating in the status quo that, you know, that live in all of us. And so um, we are really on the court working in ourselves, working in the vision of the company and the partnership and, uh, and the collaboration in terms of what we're building, working on the impact we wanna be driving every single day with the women we serve, with the corporations we advise. Um, so, you know, we are, we are full on. This is a 360 degree <laughs> <laughs> proposition, but at the same time, I would say that integral to the message we carry, integral to the kind of advocacy that we're committed to is about this opportunity to really do it differently. And it does require the inner work, the interpersonal work and the organizational work, right? As my beloved friend and colleague, William Murray would say, we have to be working on all three sides. And, you know, this is no exception to that. Yeah, yeah, no, no question about that. Um, so before, you know, I definitely want to get to because you've done some amazing collaborations recently, some very important research that uh, information, you know, has, has, has put out, uh, you know, with, you know, Tipa and you, uh, you know, driving that with some key relationships. I, I want to actually give people, um, you know, let, let's talk about 
what does information do, right? And who does, I mean, we talked about the circle of women and supporting leadership, but, um, you know, what are the elements of it? Uh, and, you know, what, what's, um, what are the offerings uh, of information and what are the circle of women, you know, what's, the, uh, what, what's available to them and also what's the intent in terms of uh, the support you're giving? Yeah, the core of, of our venture is really a member-based community where women uh, leaders can come and gather in various kinds of configurations. And there are opportunities where they have the ability to have access to some of the best thought leaders in various fields of endeavor. Uh, there's the opportunity to build community and authentic connection with one another and, and really network and build those bonds and, um, and expand their access and their reach right through what each of them brings. The opportunity to share their own wisdom and journey and expertise with one another as well as the opportunity to think collectively about the difference that they wanna make. And so information at its base is, is a member-based community. We then, and, and, and I should say that that community, in addition to all of the ways that we convene virtually and hopefully soon in person uh, as our world opens up, um, but we also have an app, which is part of our member-based member community. Um, and in addition to that, we research as a part of our work, which I know we'll talk more about, but um, Deep and I have felt from the very, very beginning that it was important to uh, foster and encourage and put forth thought leadership um, that particularly spoke to the challenges, opportunities, and concerns of women of color because we don't see enough of that out there. And then the third aspect of our work is we continue to consult and advise with organizations and, and we have a sort of a future vision to support placement. We know we're again in a moment where women of color are in high demand in terms of being able to take seats of power and influence and leadership. And, um, and we see a deep commitment not only to fostering a new kind of pipeline, but also to being able to support the kind of placement innovation that really sets both companies and leaders up for success. Yeah, we're talking about here placement at, you know, at executive level and board level, uh, you know, uh, high level focus, uh, correct? Yes, yes. In collaboration, you know, again, with with other entities whose whose work is, you know, is core and central to that commitment. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. OK, so, yeah, let's let's jump into this because, you know, you have just recently uh, released or, you know, when I say you, I mean, uh, information and partnership with the Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative and some other folks. Um, something called Power, Power, uh, Power, Power, Her, uh, redefined women of color reimagining the world of work. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, what this research project is and then who the key collaborators, you know, collaborators are. And, uh, you know, and I want to delve into because that's another type of deal, right? You know, collaborations, uh, strategic alliances, sponsorships, partnerships. Um, and, you know, uh, you were playing in all those areas around this very important research that you've had come out. But let's Let's just uh, set the stage for what the research is. Yeah, so for us, it was really, really important to, um, to center and focus the commitment to research because again, we really felt like it was important to be able to create assets where our women of color leaders particularly could do the kind of case making that was critical to their leadership in their respective organizations. And that was one of the things that organically began to emerge as we began to grow our circle of leaders was that people were looking for research assets. They were looking for white papers. They were looking for articles that centered themselves, particularly around better understanding the reality of women of color at work. 
Interestingly enough, McKinsey's report this year, McKinsey and Lena and every year do a report on women in work. And this year they chose to focus on women of color, um, which we thought was phenomenal. And at the same time, what we also recognized was that a lot of the research that we see or a lot of the articles that we see speak about the reality of women of color in third person. And we saw an opportunity to have it be in first voice. And that was really the commitment for Power Redefined. The collaboration with Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative, which we're so thrilled about, uh, really came about from, from the genesis of announcing this uh, collaboration and entity of information with Deepa and I, immediately they reached out. And they were like, are you gonna do research? Or are, you know, we wanna learn more about the work that you are committed to. And, and it was almost as if they had read our minds. Um, we wanna also be clear about the moment that we're in, right? The pandemic and all of the, I should say, all of the intersecting pandemics have created a really precarious situation for women particularly in the United States, though certainly not solely in the United States. This is a global challenge, but we've had millions of women leave the workforce. 2.3 million in the U.S. alone have left the workforce in the last 18 months. And when surveyed, one in three are looking at either downshifting their careers or leaving altogether. We feel like that sends a massive message to our professional work structures that work clearly is not working for women. And what has consistently been in the data, no matter who you've consulted, is that women of color have bore the brunt of that disconnect, have borne the brunt of that, uh, the effects of the pandemic on every front you can imagine from health challenges and disparities to work exhaustion and burnout to you know multiple roles of caretaking, whether that's on the elderly side or that's on the children, child caregiving side. Um, and there has been no real relief or no uh, sort of uniform, compassionate response to be able to better understand how to serve these women and support these women. And so, unfortunately, they have had no other choice but to leave. Yeah. Now, truth be yeah. told, this was brewing well before the pandemic, right? And, and, and this is part of the moment that I think we're all in and recognizing that work needs to be reimagined for all of us. You know, we hear the terminology often about the great resignation. And we jokingly in, inside our work at information call it the grand renegotiation mm -hmm. because we believe we're in a place where people have had 18 months to think and get clear about the things that are working and not working for them. And it, it's not as simple as quote unquote coming back. There is no going back. There's only going forward. And what this is requiring is that corporations have had to be far more intentional about thinking about their cultures, far more intentional about considering what are the challenges, wants, needs, and desires of those who are in its ranks in terms of their, their employees and, um, and, and how to best serve them. And, and what are the shifts that are being called for in leadership to be able to really meet this moment with the kind of empathy um, and strategy and innovation right, that is required. And we saw an opportunity, particularly as we considered the impact of the pandemic on women of color and particularly women of color in work, we saw a great opportunity to sort of say, hey, listen, the most heavily impacted have the opportunity to be the greatest consultants and architects of reimagining what needs to happen. 
We believe that women of color's leadership is probably one of the greatest underutilized resources. Um, some would argue maybe more underengaged. It's not that we're not working hard because we certainly are we're working very, very hard. Um, that's not the issue, but the ability to recognize the unique value proposition that we bring because of the nature of our experiences, because of what we've seen, because of all of the undistinguished roles that we often play in organizations when we're there, that this is a moment. And, uh, you know, women of color are ready to lead that revolution. They're ready to lead that transformation. We're ready to lead that reimagining. But there's some things we want in exchange. <laughs> Hence the negotiation part. And so Power Her Redefined was really the opportunity to give voice to it in our voice, to hear from our perspective. We surveyed over 1,700 women who participated in this. Uh, and of that 1,200 almost 1,200 being women of color, and then another almost 600 being white women. Um, and we felt it was important to talk about not only the nature of what's not working in the systems, but what is this unique moment and this unique brand of leadership that women of color bring to the table and how can it be leveraged to help reimagine a, a model and a way of working that can work for all of us. Uh, it's great. And, and listen, I know this, this is getting a lot of traction. It's been picked up, you know, reported on by everything from Fast Company to Harvard to a list of others, right? You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's really exciting. Um, talk, talk, to, talk to us a little bit more about the Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative and, you know, what their role was and why they were interested in this and, you know, how that collaboration came about, because uh, that's been an important deal, you know, in, in, uh, in lifting this research and, you know, and, and, and getting it out to the world. Yeah, it's a perfect example of what's possible. You know, again, from the almost moment, the genesis of announcing and formation as an entity, they reached out. And what we know is that Billie Jean King is an icon yes. who has always stood for equity and not just on the front line of sports, but stood for equity everywhere and for everybody. And they were very much aware of the impact of the pandemic and the intersecting, should I say, pandemics on women of color. And they had already made a decision to pivot their funding priorities to be able to support and address those needs and desires. And one of the things that they talked about when we first got together was this conversation of women helping women and what's really happening. And Deepa talks a lot about this in her upcoming book, The First, The Few, and The Onlys. But one of the things that we discovered as we drilled deeper into the research, and, and this is something that, is, that is a, has been maybe perhaps a little bit taboo to talk about, but women are not helping women as much as we could. And there are lots of reasons for this. The opportunity to really drill into those reasons and better understand those reasons is part and parcel of what also was of interest to the leadership initiative and to Billie Jean King personally. She was so clear and has always been clear that we have to work together, that the only way we make real progress is if we work together. And so in our initial conversations, you know, that was the right at the top of the agenda, right at the top of the conversation was how do we work together, right? <laughs> White women, you know, women of color, how do we do this, <laughs> right? Men, women, how do we do this? And I think it, you know, for us, both her long track record um, and history and all of the things that she has stood for over and over again and moved the needle on 
um, made it really a no brainer for us in terms of wanting to, you know, to collaborate and partner and her and her fabulous team, Teresa Higgins and, and, and the crew over at the Leadership Initiative. Um, it, it made it a no brainer for us because they walk the talk every single day. And no matter where they choose to focus their emphasis, um, they're always on the front lines, really standing for equality, standing for equity, standing for um, the transformation of work, particularly the place of work and, and the professional lives and livelihoods of women. Um, and Billie Jean King minces no words about that, that, you know, that part of what we're grappling with still in 2021, when we're having this conversation, is parity, is, mm. is equitable pay. You know, we are still, depending upon where you're looking, you know, both from perspective of gender, and then it gets even worse when you get into the cultural breakdowns, we're still 77 cents on the dollar. If you're talking about white women to white men, we're still 68 cents on the dollar if you're talking about black women, um, and something like 56 cents on the dollar if you're talking about Latinx women. So, <clears throat> you know, and then when we look at the extrapolation of parity, we're talking 112 years or 92 years. And... And a lot of us are not willing to wait until, you know, it's our great, great grandchildren before we actually see the light of day. And so Billie Jean King knows this. She's intimately connected to this. She recognizes this. She understands this. She's made this her life's work. And again, for us, for all of those reasons, it was a no brainer. Um, and we wanted to model and we wanted to demonstrate what does it look like? And, you know, her commitment to wanting to amplify the voices of those who most need to be heard um, and this, this became yet the, the next opportunity or the next frontier uh, to be able to do that, particularly in the world of work. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. And, and folks, I want to say something just going back to the report itself, which I've had the pleasure of reading, uh, well, pleasure and challenge of reading because it, it definitely, you know, uh, brings up some challenging issues is that, you know, Ron mentioned this earlier, is that it is in the first person voice, right? It is, it is in the voice. It's not a bunch of statistics only. There are very powerful numbers, very powerful statistics, but also in the research report, you really hear in the voices of, of women of color, uh, all different backgrounds, and some white women. And, you know, you know, just even if you uh, look at some of the headlines, you know, or the uh, table of contents here, the report, it's, you know, it's time to get real. Stop looking for unicorns. We're here and we're real. Uh, you know, it's time to humanize work. I mean, these are some very challenging topics. And then um, the report goes on to give 10 solutions for companies and 10 solutions for co-conspirators and 10 solutions for women of color. So there's, you know, practical um, advice. And these are not the canned, you know, um, sort of, you know, uh, uh, solutions you can read uh, everywhere. These are some some really um, impactful um, suggestions on no matter where you are, you know, and how you can make a make a difference uh, in this report. So I encourage you to, to check it out. Like I said, it's getting a huge amount of traction. Um, so, so Ra, um, I want to ask about some of the other, uh, you know, key players, uh, stakeholders you've brought to the table. But before we do that, uh, you know, and I do want people to go read the report, but, you know, can you just hit on a couple, you know, one or two of the, 
biggest, you know, what, what you would consider the most impactful findings, um, or maybe surprising, uh, you know, findings, uh, you know, of the, uh, of the report? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, one of the big ones that, that absolutely stood out for, for me was that 70% of women of color who were surveyed believe that they have to prove themselves over and over and over mm. and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I think that statistic speaks more to um, not just the incidental, because I think so much of how we often describe the challenges, whether we're looking at Me Too or whether we're looking at um, the challenges we're talking about in the pandemic, is that there, there's a sort of perception that they're episodic, right? In other words, they occur once or they occur every once in a while. And what we've discovered, and, and Deep and I really unearthed this even in our listening to women prior to launching the research. And you know, it's important to say that in the founding of information, Deep and I, between the two of us, listened to over a thousand women mm-hmm. um, in various configurations. And, and that so much of a key part of our work every day is on the front lines of listening to the voices and stories of women. And that, that these are not moments uh, that happen, that, that these wind up being everyday occurrences and that women are saturated and sort of immersed in cultures that can feel very hostile to their very existence. And, uh, you know, microaggressions are not so micro, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. to understand the pressure that women are under and that they feel and the sense of being in a context where you don't feel seen and you don't feel heard and you're feeling like you're having to consistently prove and go above and beyond takes its toll. And it would take its toll on anyone if you think about it, right? There are aspects of us, listen, there, you know, there are some of us who have a very competitive nature and, you know, and it's all good and it's fun in sport when you're in a circumstance or situation where, you know, okay, you have to prove yourself and you come through and you're proud and you pat yourself on your back and you keep going, right? This is not that. This is where you're having to prove and prove and prove and prove. And, and it doesn't feel like the context changes with all of the proving, right? In other words, no matter how many points get put on the board, no matter how many I's get dotted or T's get crossed, there doesn't seem to be progress. And I think that's really the fundamental challenge that we're up against when we're starting to better understand what the realities of are for women of color. I'll also say uh, another big surprising statistic, if we, you know, we kind of lean deeper into this women helping women piece was that, you know, 91% of white women felt on concept, we absolutely should be working together. It certainly was a belief and an understanding that if we could work together, then we would make further progress. Yet only 9% of white women actually acknowledged in the survey that they were actively helping women of color advance. Right, so hold on. I want to repeat that. So 91% yes. said that they believed that, that it was a good thing, et cetera. And of out of that same population, yes. only 9% of were actually doing it. And that, and that was, and that was self-reporting, right? Like, Correct. you know, so that's, I mean, for me, I mean, there's so many things that's, that's powerful in this, but if you think about that, uh, listeners, um, you know, these same women who said that they believed in it also were honest enough to admit that they really weren't doing anything. And what, what are some of the, like, what, what's the why on that? What's you know, like, what have you discovered? Yeah. So 54% of those surveyed talked about the concept of the one chair. Mm. That there is this perception that when it comes to diversifying our leadership circles, our executive teams, our boards, right? That there's only one seat 
at the table. And our greatest drop the mic moment came when a woman in the research said, you know, that there's only one broke ass chair, <laughs> right? There's only one chair that's a broke ass <laughs> right. chair. <laughs> right. And I know that, the media's picked, you know, uh, the oh media's picked up like that's a lot of the media's it, picked up on that one, right? Yes, uh, yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah. The, it is the running trope, right? Yeah. Um, but the important thing to understand is that what we're really saying is that there is a way that we've defined power and opportunity and access that is rooted in scarcity. And that that absolutely prevents or presents the number one barrier as to why we don't help each other more. And, you know, we are seeing the impacts of it with women because there's only one seat, but you would see it with men as well, right? Because we are in a, we operate inside of a context where we have defined power in a particular way. And one of the things that we have said is that it is finite, that it is fixed, that the pie is fixed. And there's only Mm. so many seats and only so many spotlights and only so many, you know, fill in the blank promotions. And because we have come at it from the scarcity based context, it has created a survival of the fittest kind of mentality. And we have normalized this in our corporate world. We've normalized this in our business world. And until we can really challenge and address and recognize the degree to which we've indoctrinated, formalized and normalized those notions, those distorted notions of power, we don't have a lot of entree into really how we shift them. But the truth is that every single one of us has a role to play in how these are shifted. And it is only if we can work together that the situation can get better and get better for everyone. So now let's, that's a great segue into the last deal element that I want to talk about uh, on this particular interview, which is that there are some companies out there that have made bigger commitments to start shifting this. And in fact, um, you, you know, another deal that you have and Deepa have have worked on uh, and that you've been able to bring to the table for this research is some key sponsorships, right? And partnerships with key companies who are uh, aligned with uh, the change you're trying to make. Uh, you want to talk about those a little bit? Sure. I mean, we feel really honored to have had the kind of support in terms of uh, both the foundations and corporations that have, you know, uh, stood with the research and stood behind the research and certainly shout out to Salesforce. And um, and, and Salesforce is a, is a phenomenal study, I think, in terms of what's possible when CEOs really pick up the mantle. Yeah. and really make the decision that they are going to create organizations of the 21st century. And they are going to challenge the existing norms and status quo to really become representative of the commitment that they share. And uh, you know, there are other corporations out there where I will say that CEOs have really stood up and been very vocal and then in turn walk the talk by creating the opportunities and the resources and also by creating the cultural shifts in terms of the values. Uh, I think that Salesforce is a great example and, you know, their commitment to equity. Equity is now an organizational value. So what it means is that it's not sort of a sidebar initiative, but it's baked into everything that they do. And they're willing, as many other corporations where CEOs are taking the lead and picking up the mantle, um, they're willing to be influencers in conversations with other CEOs about how they do it, right? I think we're in a really exciting moment and that I believe that more corporations are wanting to do this. 
even if they don't know how they want to. And I also believe that because of where we have been over the last 19 months, whether we look at George Floyd, whether we look at the, the sort of fallout of the pandemic and the challenge of the return to work and all of the, the ways in which we're negotiating virtual cultures, you know, in other words, all of the challenges that we, fa- that we faced on the economic front, on the mental health and wellness front, we all recognize that something's got to give. We all recognize we're going to have to do this differently. And so I think there's a real opening and a real interest and a real curiosity and a real hunger on the part of many leaders to try to figure this out, which is also why we felt the research was so timely. But this was the moment to have the conversation because if we're going to be reimagining work anyway, why not reimagine it for the greater good? I think yeah. this is really what it's all about. I just think, you know, companies like Salesforce and others are really taking the lead and really picking up the mantle and following the charge. You know, we're also thrilled to have partnered with the Osman Foundation um, and their commitment also as well to always be at the forefront of moving the needle on fields of endeavor. They have a deep desire and commitment, particularly around the mental health aspects of this work and recognizing, and as you know, one of the aspects of the report is we talk about, you know, there's, there's an area that's a, that's a little bit more than microaggressions, right? Which is really talking about workplace trauma um, and the call to rehumanizing um, leadership and humanizing the world of work. And, um, and again, I think if we've learned nothing through uh, this pandemic, it's that we've all been in some levels, we've had to grapple with our humanity, perhaps in ways that we haven't before. And so, you know, we're thrilled to have been able to uh, partner and collaborate with them as well um, on the research and, and being able to share it with their respective communities. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So Salesforce, Salesforce has, you know, come, on, come in strong. The Osman Foundation, and I know that there are discussions which, you, you know, are not ripe yet to be able to talk about with other uh, companies and foundations, you know, that are getting on board, you know, uh, to support this research. So, you know, that's encouraging to see. Right, that we have, um, you know, for me, as just, I mean, I always appreciate the foundation support, and I know, you know, um, uh, big fans of of Osman, uh, uh, but you know, the corporate support for me is 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 uh, is phenomenal uh, because you know traditionally that's not been where, and you know, and and companies like Salesforce, um, the, one of the substantive differences for me that I see is that this is not one of those situations where it's a PR thing or somebody's just throwing some money at something or they're getting on the trend because they wanna, you know, whatever. There's real commitment in companies like Salesforce and some others who you're in discussions with and who, you know, are just doing some other things, uh, you know, where I do think it's it's becoming fundamentally part and not just, you know, and like big companies, right? Like Salesforce, where it's becoming much more fundamentally part of their DNA and, and their culture and their vision and values and commitments. And that's exciting. Uh, thing and you know Salesforce's uh, support of um, you know the, the the research and sponsorship of the research is is just a great example of that. Yeah, I mean, I think as we have the honor and privilege, and I really do think that I, Deepa and I feel very honored and privileged to be in these kinds of conversations because three or four years ago we weren't you know we weren't there right, meaning our capacity, our willingness, our our space to be able to really have some of the harder conversations you know we're in a new era where i think there is a willingness and and even a desire to want to have those tougher conversations and so i think the opportunities for collaboration and support really come from 
you know, who are the uh, partners or collaborators that can create a kind of access and a kind of window into realities that perhaps have not been fully understood or even considered before? And how does those conversations give us access to real solutions? And I think that's really what companies are looking for. You know, there are many phenomenal practitioners out there, right, who are on the front lines of this work. And Deep and I, again, feel really honored and privileged that we're able to be a voice in that. But, you know, I will say that we were really adamant that the research incorporated solutions, that it didn't just sort of say these are the state of things, but that we were really able to, to you know, get really robust in the recommendations for how we shift things and how we change things. And I want to give a big shout out to Prism Work, who was our research partner in this work, and that they were also really phenomenal collaborators in helping us, you know, think through the work and how to organize the work and how to have the conversations. And, um, you know, and, and so this was really a big team effort. Um, but the solutions piece, every single one of us felt uh, adamant that it was important that we have that there and that this not just be research that sits on the shelf, which was another yeah. thing that was really important to the Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative as well. So this was not something that sits on the shelf, that this is something that it becomes a real active tool um, and a real prescriptive and a directive that feels accessible. Um, and that part of our work now is to ensure not only that the research is disseminated, but that we're able to help foster the conversations and the kinds of collaborations within our purview that can help actually move the needle on the solutions. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, I think the research is, you know, is so exciting, the impact, uh, the, you know, really take the time, folks, and, and, and check out this, uh, the research, check out, listen to the voices of, you know, of the women in, in, the, in this research. And then, you know, uh, from a deal point of view, I mean, uh, listeners, you should really like think about the elements here and how you apply this to your business and your commitments, right? Because, you know, look at what, what is the equivalent for you for the relationship with, you know, that uh, information had with the Billie Jean King, you know, uh, leadership initiative, right? Um, how did they, you know, Rod talked about a little bit, you know, key, right, Prism key research partner, uh, you know, getting somebody like Salesforce on board because uh, of the alignment of the values and commitment of a big company like that, you know, getting foundation support like the Osmond, Osmond um, you know, foundation. So, you know, I, I always want you when you listen to these episodes to use the examples, you may be in a totally different business, but the examples of how people, I mean, I talk about all the time, how, you know, joint ventures, strategic alliances, key business collaborations, sponsorships, licensing, all that kind of stuff. There are so many deal opportunities that people don't take, take advantage of. And many, you know, folks, and think about it in whatever your equivalent is, you know, would have tried to do a research report, right, you know, on their own, maybe they would hire some help on the research side, but, you know, the ability to have key collaborative partners who are going to help you, uh, you know, whether it's with funding, whether it's with expertise, whether it's with reach, you know, and getting it out there and supporting it and using their, you know, uh, market share and muscle and respect, you know, and and, uh, and gravitas. Um, there's so many ways you can apply this to your business. So, uh, I do want you to check out the substance of this research because it's very significant uh, in the in the business world, in the entrepreneurial world, and just in in our world, in, you know, in general, uh, and and the opportunities that come out of it. And then I also, you know, invite you to look at the deal lessons that have come out of this amazing uh, interview with uh, Ragadis. Um, Ra, uh, I want to give you an opportunity quickly to uh, just talk about what people can find out more, whether it's about information, the research you you generally, and then I'll ask you my final question. Awesome. Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate it. 
Um, the one other thing I just want to offer your listeners, which I think has been um, a really important active learning for us um, as we look at these times is, you know, we know as entrepreneurs, we know as change agents, we know as leaders that it's always about being able to offer solutions. And I think a lot of the time we live and we operate in a world where we chase ideas. And that's part of what we're here to do is we're here to have ideas and we're here to pursue them. But we're at a moment now where ideas and practicum have got to come together. And I think to really move the needle on the things that we're most concerned of. And so I would say, you know, to be really clear about the impact you want to be driving through your business, whatever it is that you're offering in terms of your products or your services, What's the impact that you want to be driving? And in what way does your ideas, your unique perspective, your point of view, your understanding of the the market or the understanding of your field, how does that, those notions, those ideas, those innovations actually meet the ground and the practicum in such a way that actually drives the kinds of solutions that not only support you and not only support your customers, but that also have the, the ability to influence the field and beyond. Yes. Love it. Love it. All right. Where do people find out more? So POWHER, P-O-W-H-E-R, redefine.com. You can go on, you can download the report. It's right there. Um, as well as supportive materials on the microsite. You can you know, find out more about the work and the research and the history and the impact. And then in terms of uh, information, it's N2, the number two, formation.com to read more about the work that Deep and I are doing in the world and the history. Um, and then I am on all of the social channels at, at Rock Goddess, <laughs> LinkedIn and, and the like. Um, and, you know, I would say that, you know, definitely if you know that you are passionate about this work and wanting to help organizations and corporations create cultures where more people can thrive, we absolutely would love to hear from you. That's great, folks. So, yeah, check out all the sites. Uh, all of those links will be in the show notes if you're driving or you don't have a place to take that down. Um, Ram, my final question on the podcast is, as you know well, my highest ideal in life is freedom. And that uh, means to me freedom, everything from freedom from all, all people from oppression to the reason why I'm an entrepreneur and I haven't had a boss in you know decades. Um, so what does freedom mean to you and uh, how does it impact your business and life? I, I mean, you know, freedom for me is, is everything. Uh, I think the, the thing that I work towards and strive towards um, is, is giving voice to giving life to a world where all of us gets to be in the truth of who we are and that we get to be embraced in who we are. We get to belong as who we are and we get to succeed as who we are. And so freedom isn't just about my mobility, um, but freedom is about creating the space where all of us truly get to arrive as our whole selves and we get to operate inside of our full potential because that's the only way we're really gonna get the kind of world that we all want for ourselves and the kind of world that we wanna leave to our children. I gotta thank you for being an amazing guest on the Deal Coast Podcast. My joy, Corey, thank you so much for your work. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. 
Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.